It's finally happened, Michael. The day has arrived and we are here. My name is Joe Fortunato. I am joined as always by my co-host, Michael Murphy, who is joining us from New Jersey today. And I'm I'm on Long Island, so that's how this works. Uh, It is a beautiful, balmy Monday afternoon. Balmy. It's a good word, bud. And Capo Caco is a New York Ranger. And there's, and we're seeing gifts of him practicing, and oh. Yes, at the the prospect camp, we're hearing him say what sounds like gun against his head words about how great New York City is. Yeah. With, I mean, why, why do their social media people? They're like, listen, uh, just say the city's nice. Who? Why? Explain that to me. That it, it it's almost worse that it happened. You know what I mean? doesn't he, matter. He, he's just, just like, what's going on here? Yeah, that's fine. The city's great. Thank yeah. you. Show us some gifts of him scoring goals in Liga. That's that's what we need. We need more of that. Stick handling, wearing number 45, but that probably won't be his number. Really? See, I kinda, I'm kind of hoping we get something like that. Something cool like I that. I saw your tweet about that. You just hope he picks just up. Just a weird number. Yeah. Like, 93. Who has I, 93? I like those high numbers on forwards. I like yeah. Buchanevich's 89 is nice. Give me... Uh, you know, give me like a 73 or 78 or something weird. Give me something weird. This is a throwback, but I always liked like playing, I think it was still on N64, like the NHL brand games, and I think it was Alish Hemsky wore 83. For whatever reason, that stuck in my head. And Mike Comrie wore 89. 87 is a great number. Crosby's wearing that right now. Just do something like that. That's all. Something, something weird. Something fun. Uh, which brings us to the reason for this podcast, not just because we enjoy doing this for you. By the way, subscribe on iTunes, leave five stars on iTunes, leave a nice comment. You will make us feel good about ourselves. Um, thank you for all of the support. Last week's Truba show was the most listened to episode that we've dropped since joining Vox. And that was, I haven't checked it since, but that was after like three days of being live. So that was a... Uh, pretty enormous figure oh and michael guess yeah. what what megaphone corrected the numbers oh. and they're even higher than i thought okay so easily i mean easily the the most listened to show we've done so if and jeff gordon could just keep trading for uh players right before the show that would be wonderful sent out the most recent batch of stickers to our patrons including it, one fancy patron who lives in scotland so. it went right to scotland yeah isn't that nice Someone in Scotland has uh, bantering the blue shirt stickers. So if you're in Scotland and you see that, you should thank them because they're they're one of the the important members of the world. Um, anyway, the draft is over and I feel really weird about it. I'm going to be honest Ooh, with you. you feel weird really about weird. And I couldn't figure out why. And then I realized what it was. Is it all the D? No. Okay. It's a, a really good thing. Oh. I feel really weird about it because I couldn't – I thought the Rangers made a lot. There was only one pick that the Rangers made that I was not in love with, and, and we'll get to that as we go. Yeah, it was Skinner. Um, but there was such a lack of pressure for me once the Rangers got Kako because in the past it's like the Rangers drafted Kravstov. Right, last year. And we knew it was a, a high upside pick, right? There was no... I think we were very positive about it, even though we wanted Wallstrom. We've talked about how, obviously, Jeff Gordon, Gordy Clark and company made the right decision there a year later. But 
it, it was just it was so nice watching the second to seventh round progress and say, eh, I just it doesn't matter. It it doesn't the Rangers could absolutely shit the bed and they have an impact dynamic star forward coming to their team from this draft. And it just doesn't like when was the last time we were able to think that way? No. When was the last time that we didn't need a player to be like, well, hopefully in a year he's ready to go because that's how barren the farm system is. I mean, honestly. It's Twenty years since the last draft where they had a high forward pick, and that was Pavel Brendel, and we all know that just didn't pan out as the fourth overall pick of uh, of nineteen ninety nine. So not even that's yeah, that's crazy to think. Um, I look at that like just thinking about the last time they took a forward that high and before that you know it's really we have to go way back i think uh into the 60s really and you know there were a couple couple higher picks like you know the manny malhotra picks and stuff like that were that were inside the top 10 but uh, i believe but it's been... who's the last number two was that brad park oh my goodness for a forward i I think we have to go back to this. Yeah, but Brad. I, I think he was the highest pick. I think the Rangers have ever had, if I'm not mistaken. And let's look this up. I don't think they ever. I mean, if you look at the the high picks that they've had, it's like, what is it? Who's the backup goalie? Al Montoya. Um, it's Brendel. You know, these guys who who never really panned out. It's unfortunately Dylan McElrath. So that was horrible let's see brad park who is 71 years old yes first round second overall by the rangers in 1966 so if it was seventh overall in 98 but if we're talking top five there's only been five guys in the organizational history uh first overall andre velu in 65 second overall brad park in 66 as a d Bob Graham in '64, so all and Al Osborne in '63 is fourth overall. So a lot of '60s, and then Pavel Brendel is the only guy who's kind of in uh, closer to, to to modern history. And of course, uh, 78 NHL games for Pavel Brendel um, did not work out. Those are those are sad things. Yeah, I, it's just, it was just wonderful to just move forward knowing the Rangers were going to have Kako in their back pocket. Once yeah, the first round was he's over, he's going to be in the lineup immediately. That kind of goes without saying. It's um, there's a lot of things to like, including the fact that uh, I think Mika Zibanejad speaks a little bit of Finnish, apparently, which is all good, excellent, all excellent um, to have. It's just fun, right? Like when the Devils took Hughes, I said, "All right, it's what we expected." Hughes is off the board, and now this isn't going to take any time. And I remember people being like, why are the Rangers taking so much time to make their pick? And the answer is because Jack Hughes was getting interviewed, um, you know, <laughs> because he was the first overall pick. And then, you know, as much as the NHL draft is a, an entry draft, it's also a production, right? It's an entertainment thing. So uh, seeing Kako go and, you know, it, I got to tell you, I, I it was a lot of fun going into this draft, Joe, knowing you know, before the Fox and Truba trades, knowing that the Rangers had, you know, all those picks. But if you just think about, like, if, if you consider an accelerated rebuild and what the Rangers were able to do just in the first round and with the Fox and Truba trades, it's been a really fun month um, in terms of what they've been able to do to turn the team around. And there are tons of questions still up in the air. Um you know, by the time we record our next show, uh, Joe, the 
think the buyout window will have closed because it closes on the 30th. So um, we'll have some sort of answer there. Um, so that is something to consider. And of course, whatever happens with Panarin, we'll touch on that later. But overall, I came away from this draft feeling really solid. Um, and I know, I think Pronman gave the Rangers and the Avalanche an A. I don't think any other team got an A grade from him. So that definitely felt good. Um, I'm a little little intrigued by Carl Hendrickson, um, just because he does play with uh, Lucas Raymond, who's supposed to be a stud prospect uh, in next year's draft. Um, Hendrickson's like a playmaking undersized center, but like, you know, I, I'm not going to get nervous about a guy who put up the sort of numbers he's put up. Um, so I was actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I was yeah. thrilled to see the fact that the Rangers went after undersized talent, which they really did yeah, they at, at two separate stages. And yeah. Them, yeah. And Hendrickson was one of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, God, I am going to absolutely butcher this name, but I have to try Levy. Altonen, oh, Altonen, yeah. um, who's maybe one of the smallest players in the draft, but again, a ton of high upside and, and when, super skater. When the Rangers, when the Rangers got their draft grades, and, and like Mike alluded to, they pretty much scored among the best in every single category um, across the board by almost everyone. Yeah. Not in the top, but most of them were in the top five, maybe the the easily the top third, even on the lowest level, and it wasn't because of Kako. I mean, he had a factor in that, but their day two was very I good. I love the Matthew Robertson pick. Yeah, so do I. And here's here's one of the things that I think really, just because you brought it up, and it is something that you know Adam talked about as well, which is Hendrickson does play with a guy who very well may be a top three pick next year in what's supposed to be one of the best drafts in you know yeah. the history of the NHL. Super draft um, in Evan Oppenheimer has a... Um, a model, and really model's not even the right word because it's not predictions um, or prod or forecasting. It's literally, it shows where a player's points come from. Betweenness, it's called. Uh, no, this is different. Oh, this is, thing. yeah, this is, it's like, a, it has names in three columns, and then lines go from name to name. And basically what this does is it shows how much of Hendrickson's offense is running through different players on his team. And Lucas Raymond is a relatively big part of it, but not at all what you would think. Like, Carl Hendrickson creates an enormous amount of his own offense. And for a guy who's seen as really a very, very good passer, very little of his goal-scoring offense went through Raymond. Most of it, well, he was kind of Philip Peterson, Ardvith Kodoroth, I don't know, Philip Hassa. I mean, Hendrickson did a lot. Now, he had a lot of second... He had some secondary assists through Raymond, and he had some primary assists through Raymond as well. But this is not... I've seen... I was not expecting it to be this spread out. So it's and not it's, quite uh, it's, Jonathan Chichu and Joe... No, not at all. It is way more spread out than I expected yeah. it to be, especially when... Uh, I don't have as in-depth of a knowledge of these guys as some of the other prospect experts do, or even really close. And when Adam brought up the Lucas Raymond thing, that's obviously a huge red flag, right? Yeah, and interestingly the, the enough... Ryan, the Ryan Grop situation. Was right. That was one of the reasons why the Rangers stayed away from Wallstrom, was because they did not know how much Hughes impact, or I guess in the end they did know, and they made the right decision. So I do feel very comfortable that, sure, is it easier to play on a line with Raymond? Absolutely. I'm not saying it's not. But a lot of his offense went to other guys. And you look at some of the numbers that he put up. I mean, 
even internationally. He played 22 international junior games, so Sweden U18 team. He had 20 points in 22 games. He blew the World Junior Championship under 18 out of the water. And in the Super Elite, he was more than a point per game. And he had a great tournament. I mean, he was, he's, if you go up and down the lineup, there's not a league he hasn't put up fantastic numbers in. And he hasn't been playing with Roberts in all those games. And he's 5'9, and that might have spooked some teams away. But I like that the Rangers said, you know, the thing with him is it's, it's with the puck on his stick. He's has great vision. He makes plays. He makes great passes. So he's, his thing is he's kind of a guy when he has the puck on a stick, he makes offense happen. Right? He's a, He generates offense. And I like that for the most part, Joe, it felt like, I think you tweeted about this, it felt like the Rangers made swings on skill, which is kind of the right thing to do, especially after, you know, getting, you know, capo caco. And now you have... You know, it, it did. It, it, it did. I will say this before we go any further. It did intrigue me that we saw. You know, we saw Robertson in the second round, Zachary Jones in the third, and then Hunter Skinner in the fourth. So, after what we saw in last year's draft, I didn't think we'd see that much D being drafted. Um, that it, with those early early round picks, especially given, uh, you know, the Adam Fox trade, but. You know, because I would imagine the Rangers see him as part of the blue line for the foreseeable future, and he's you know 22. So it was just kind of I don't know. I I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, it, it did it did intrigue me because you know there are the names we all know for the prospect forwards, and we can obviously add Carl Henriksen to that group as the 58th overall. But they waited until 1:30, so they waited until round five to take their third prospect forward after Kako and Henriksen with uh, Levy Altonen, who by all accounts is just a speed demon and one of the best skaters who was in this draft class. And uh, and then, you know, they took two forwards to close out the draft in Adam Edstrom or Edstrom in round six and Eric Ciccoloni, Ciccoloni, I don't know, um, in round seven. So it was a, and Robertson is a, he's a super interesting pick because I like that pick. If a lot of people are saying it on the lowest end, like he has the highest floor, if you will, everybody's expecting him to be an, an actual. And by actual, I mean, I'm not, this is not like the 200 hockey men saying this about guys who can't skate an actual mobile shutdown defenseman who can move the puck out of the zone. Um, The offense for him wasn't as much as people were expecting. I think this year Mm -hmm. he had uh, 33 points in 52 games for the Edmonton oil Kings and the WHL. He had eight points in 16 playoff games. So it, it wasn't, you know, a huge drop off. And the year before, cause I always try to look at like the growth jump. He had 24 points in 67 games. So there was a big jump in offense, but a lot of people were saying that he was one of the, the big fallers. I mean, ISS hockey had him 19th future considerations had him 19th hockey prospect had him 35th McKean's hockey had him 29th TSN slash McKenzie had him at 25th and he was ranked 26th by NHL central scouting. And the Rangers got him 49th overall. I love um, by all accounts, a super smart hockey player, a possession demon. And what I'm hearing is a lot of people are agreeing that, yeah, he probably bottoms out 
as a, a second pairing mobile two-way defenseman. Thinking of Anton Strawman is probably a really good comparison for that type of a player. Yeah, I just but I like his I like his, his skill set. Yeah, his the tools. I think makes it to the NHL. Right, Scott Wheeler said it. The tools are there, or maybe it was Pronman. The tools are there for him to be yeah, a higher upside player. He, said he has the, a first round tool set or toolkit, and, and that's you can work with that. You can't create that. The and I'm just going to stick on the defense because I'm 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 did make the comment that yes it's a little weird that after the run on defensemen the Rangers made last year they went back to anyway. it this year a little bit but they got Kako so you're getting the the dominant forward out of this anyway Robertson was a great pick Zachary Jones is yeah, exactly the type of high end upswing like swing for the fences pick that you can make he blew. All defensemen away in scoring in the USHL this year. At 52 points in 56 games and then 5 points in 6 playoff games. He's playing at UMass Amherst next year. I like that a lot. I like that he's going to UMass Yes, get get a little bit more of the college. I mean, this is, again, another guy who he was ranked as high as 33rd or 38th, excuse me, by HockeyProspect.com, as low as 88th by McKean's Hockey and TSN, you know, McKenzie. His probably floated around like everybody was if you averaged it all out he was probably around the 68th overall where he was taken but everybody who talked about this selection talked about the upside there's risk here the defense is a little bit of an issue there are some things that you should be concerned about Mm -hmm. but he can get past the first layer of a defense with a series of drags and dekes helped along by quick hands that's the mckean's hockey um analysis of him this is a guy who can put up he could be one of those power play running defensemen in the NHL. Is it something that you would guarantee? No, that's why he was taken in, you know, that's why he was taken in the third round. But I think, again, it might have been Pronman or maybe Scott Wheeler, and I apologize that I'm mixing the two of them up. He's 5'10". They're saying if he was 6'1", he'd be a late first-round pick just because of the size. And that's another, again, the Rangers... They did a really, one of the things that almost everybody agreed with on, the value of their picks was good. And that's removing Kako because he was BPA at two overall. So the Skinner pick hurts a lot there. But um, uh, how do you say his name? Levi Altonen? I've just been saying Altonen. Oh, listen to that. That's my in-law's phone. Um, Altonen was one of the biggest pickups the Rangers had from where he was projected to where he was supposed to be. All right, Mike, talk so I can mute this. Oh, my goodness, Joe. I was about to wonder if that was yeah, Kyle Dubas there. Um, like, I... I'm not too upset about the Hunter Skinner pick. Um, it's interesting to me because the Rangers definitely like guys like um, you know Carl Henriksen and, and the guys they took early. Like they clearly weren't, you know, and and I should say as well Zachary Jones. They weren't shy about undersized guys, but Hunter Skinner just seemed like a he's a big bruising defenseman, six three, and then actually with their later picks, um, Edstrom is six foot six. He's a huge guy. Um, a huge center, Swedish center, um, you know, who you just kind of hope you can get a, you know, a bottom six or just a fourth line forward out of, uh, find like a Brian Boyle prototype maybe. But the defense thing didn't alarm me. It just, it just more intrigued me. And I think the point that Joe made uh, before his in-laws called and ruined the show. Um, they may have ruined the show. They may have ruined the show. That's okay. Uh, before, you know, looking at that, like, you know you're getting not only are you getting Capo Caco, but he's coming into the lineup. You also have Kravstov who's here. You also have Heedle who's here and Anderson who's here and Brett Howden. Um, and I know, you know, people are kind of 
you know, a little split on, on what Brett Howden is and what he can be, but the bottom line is he's a young, really young player who earned a spot, you know, one way or another into the lineup last season. And he's only going to get better from where he is now, even if there's some disagreement about the sort of player he can be or is. And I... I don't know. I, I I don't like the Hunter Skinner pick. Is like, oh, you know, it is what it is. But it is a fourth round kind of eyebrow raiser, which is a lot different than last year when the Rangers took Olaf Lindblom in the second round. Like they took a goalie way way off the board and with a, a slew of first round talent dropping. Yeah, and that was much more of a like, oh, okay, what's that about? I don't have. There's not as much to be concerned about. It's like getting worked up about the Rangers drafting Nico Gross last year, where they got him. It's just like it's not worth, you know, worrying about. Even if you know he just doesn't project to be a real NHL player, there's nothing to get too worked up about in my in my opinion about Hunter Skinner. Um, you know, he was a USHL guy uh, at 63 penalty minutes in 28 games and 11 points uh, with. He split the season between uh, the Muskegon Lumberjacks and the Lincoln Stars. So, like, that, the numbers I just read off were his numbers after uh, his numbers with the Lincoln Stars where he played the majority of his games. So, it, he definitely it, has an, an element of nasty to his game. Um, but that's – it's so, like, especially – and I don't mean to cut you off. No. But no. I did it. I did it anyway. You did. So, he is going to Western Michigan. And, you know, you hope that a guy like this kind of – it's – what I don't understand, and we've had this argument before, and, and this was kind of the Dylan McElrath argument too, and we, we get into these fights like all the time, it seems like these cycle. If you are an NHL player, and we had this comment about Hayek too, right? You should put up offense at lower levels of hockey, even if you're not an offensive defenseman. Yeah. It's and for him to have 22 points in what amounts to 52 ushl games is a little alarming because you do especially at that level like you do expect a little bit more offensive pop because if you're good at moving the puck out of the zone inherently you will pick up assists and offense and really at no level of hockey has he done that so my question is is this like a McElrath-esque pick where the rangers are like He's a big bruising guy. Let's see if he can, you know, get a little bit better at skating and become one of those crease clearing defensemen, which if you're going to take a risk like that on a guy who's either gonna be that low upside player or not make the NHL at all, I guess the hundred and twelfth overall isn't the worst place to do it, especially after you got Kako. But for all the talent that was on the board at that time, who's to say Skinner would not have been available? I mean, the highest he was ranked was 120th by NHL Central Scouting. Yeah, he and was, that was the only service that actually ranked him. Yeah, last season um, in the USHL, he was ranked 34th among D in points per game with 0.42 points per game, as Joe said. 22 points in 52 games. So, you know, to give you an idea, Cam York, who was drafted by the Flyers, um, you know, was he had 1.18 points per game. Um, you know, as the second most productive guy in terms of his per game uh, production uh, in in the USHL, and Zachary Jones, of course, who the Rangers drafted earlier, was 0.93 points per game. So, 52 points 
over 22 points. And, you know, there's a big difference there. They're very different sorts of players, but they are both the, and of course, you know, drafted in much different areas of the draft, but it's still, to me, it's still kind of relevant because like you said, it's, uh, you can't help but, and again, it's not, it's not where McElrath was drafted, but it feels like a guy who is just kind of a, something of a throwback player. And that's, that is what it is. Uh, again, it's not worth, I don't think it's worth getting worked up about a guy who's taken, you know, in the fourth round and maybe the organization felt like they wanted a big body like that who could come up one day and be a part of the blue line. Um, Cause he is a big kid, six foot three plays the right side. He's right-handed. Um, yeah. There's really, there's really nothing about this draft to get upset with in, no, in any, really. if I mean, say the Rangers didn't have the second overall pick, like say they didn't have a first round pick, let's go back three years. Yeah. And you take him fourth in the fourth round. I'm bitching and moaning because, yeah, because you, you need to use have, high upside picks. You don't exactly. with if, if you, you want to first round pick. You need to be drafting for skill. Yeah, you want to satisfy some type of weird kink and be like, listen, these guys are going to make a comeback in the NHL. Yeah. yeah, just fine. If you want to do it, were there better players to take? Yes, but again, nothing, it nothing it, it does just feel weird that like the Rangers take essentially one of the guys who like one of the bigger fallers at this level in Altonen like what 12 selections or whatever 28 selections behind where they took Skinner it is that kind of weirds me out a little bit but maybe they thought they were getting a sleeper I I don't know maybe they think there's something in Hunter Skinner they've done this before some of the picks and now of course I can't remember who they are but the Rangers the fourth round they seem destined to take big hulking defenseman who they're like, ah, oh, this guy's going to figure it out. Maybe, but it doesn't matter because you have the Rangers made two outstanding defensive selections before him and they got Kako. So it really doesn't matter. Honestly, if you take Skinner out of the draft completely, if the Rangers traded their fourth round pick and this never happened, this draft would be an A plus across the board. And, and it really is anyway, because it doesn't matter. But yeah, yeah they and, and it's, yeah. And like Joe said, uh, we, we can kind of watch uh, Hunter Skinner, who has a great... It's talking about great D&D names, by the way, Hunter Skinner. Um, he'll be at Western Michigan University. Um, Eric Ciccoloni, or Ciccoloni, who was the seventh-round pick, he's going to University of Michigan. And um, what was the... UMass Amherst is um, where Zachary Jones is headed. So three NCAA teams to keep an eye on. Um, for you know the foreseeable future to see what happens with those guys i really i don't know i i i don't have a lot of issue because i like where they took matthew robertson and where they took carl henrickson there were other players they could have grabbed in the second round but everything i've read about matthew robertson i haven't gotten to see a lot of uh you know video on him but what i've seen and read about his his instincts with the puck and how he protects the puck and how he moves the puck. It's like, I really like that. Cause I feel like people get a little too wrapped up on guys who play the right side, who do that as if it's like an exclusive trait to the right side. And it's not. And I like the idea of a big, uh, solid defenseman who can move the puck and is really just, just seems like the word for him is responsible, right? Just in his own zone and with the puck and the decisions he makes, he doesn't want to turn it over. He doesn't want to give you the puck. He wants it to go to a teammate of his own. And given what we've seen out of the Rangers' blue line over the past couple of years, I really like the idea of that guy joining the team in the second round. And, you know, he, young defenseman like him, it's, it goes without saying, we're gonna, it's going to be a long time before we see 
these other guys make the team. I mean, Kako is going to be here, but it's a long time before we see these other guys. But there is a lot of intrigue here. There's a lot of guys with high upside, and that's why I came away from this draft generally feeling like they did a great job, you know, all things considered. This was a very good draft. I mean, you know, they didn't even have to think about Kako. Um, but really what they did with their next three picks and what they did in round five with Alton and felt really good to me. I liked what they did. It, it, and I guess we're going pick by pick on this, which I guess we should we be. So, have. so yeah, let's, right. let's bounce over to Alton and who is next. He's taken 130th overall in the fifth round. Um, just turned 18. Well, actually turned 18 in January. A winger. He could play either side. He shoots left. One of the smallest players in the draft, 5'9", 176 pounds. And this guy, so here's, without watching him, without really knowing him, aside from what I've read, um, because again, I'm not going, you know, 50 players deep in this even, so I have to figure out some of this stuff on the back end. Mm. When I looked at his elite prospects page and just ran through the numbers that he put up in the lower levels of Finland, he reminded me a lot of Sorella, just an undersized, absolutely dominating player he he, he, i'm looking at his so if he's 18 last year when he had 36 points in 29 junior am league games all right that means he was 17 16 you're gonna see what i'm doing this in a minute when he was 15 years old he put up 70 points in 27 junior c sm sarja games yeah i guess it's just you know the, the c level then they, they obviously the next year they're like all right he can't play there under 18 team when he was 16 17 he put up 59 points in 38 games anywhere he's gone he's put up points and, and he played Junior, s- five points in five games yeah that's the world the, that's the under 18 though oh, yeah, we should sorry, say the under 18 um as- an assist in seven games for liga he went on loan in Metzdis. I guess that must be their AHL. He played one game. I mean, this is a guy who everybody, nobody doubts his talent. And I think it was Pronman said if he had any confidence in him getting bigger, I guess putting on more muscle or maybe growing a little bit more, he would have had him levels higher in the draft. And just like Carlson, very highly skilled, small, but highly skilled. And I asked this question after the Rangers traded for Truba. When was the last time that you remember the Rangers feasting on a non-analytic team on a trade like that? I can't remember the last one. Mike, when was the last time we walked away from a draft and the Rangers are going after undersized high-end talent? Oh, my God. I can't even think. I mean, again, the NHL entry draft rankings before this started... 29th by NHL Central Scouting. Now, that's Euro and North American, right? They split theirs. Yeah, wait, wait, say that again. I'm sorry. NHL Central Scouting splits, right? They do North American and then European rankings. Yeah, they split it. So he was the 29th European, so that's not a great gauge for what I'm doing. 99th by McKean's, 80 by HockeyProspect.com, 115 by Future Considerations. And the Rangers got him at 103 or 130. 130. Yeah. And one of Pronman's, like, top... 107 prospects and one of his big sleepers just a great i mean again on like not somebody you would think the rangers would be interested in and here they are i like it it shows i'm hoping i what i take away from this is that we're seeing you know this you know the rangers scouts influence what happens with gordy clark and they they're thinking a little more outside the box and a little more modern which is nothing but good news to me because in a lot of ways, 
Leah Sanderson was kind of a, a throwback pick in in you know the, in the sense that like yeah you know he's a you know he's a hard on his sleeve work ethic guy you know th- there was obviously skill there but maybe not s- skill you'd expect to be you know for a guy who's a you know a top ten pick and you know some of the other picks we've seen over the years and to see them kind of transition to this is encouraging I I, I definitely like what I saw here next pick the Rangers decided that since they went smaller they needed to go as big as possible yeah adam edstrom swedish giant sixth round 161st overall 66 207 it's a big kid big boy very big boy seven uh i'm sorry what was i saying uh center slash winger uh the chris abbott says adams is a big strong and fine skating forward with big upside physical player with the skill to score goals um, not an overly dominant season. Um, Swedish Junior 20 League in the Super Elite. He put up 16 points in 20 games. He played 15 SHL games. He had one assist. But Adam said that when he watched him play, like, he averaged three minutes a night. So that must have been like an injury fill-in. Um, somebody who, you know, I think you comp- this was the Brian Boyle comparison that you made. Yeah. I like that comparison a lot. Because I, I do think he was the 73rd ranked European by NHL Central Scouting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, there is upside here. You're going to have to find it. But again, you're, you're talking the about the sixth round the when you, you need to. These are exactly the players the Rangers should be taking. And Brian Boyle, like if Brian Boyle scored 20 goals in a year, and he was enormous. That this is that's exactly that's a great comparison. And if you get that out of him, wonderful. And it's very clear the Rangers have had. I, I really feel like ever since. They picked Anderson. They've had their eye on on Europe a lot more, and Sweden has always been a home base for the Rangers, always. So they know what they're getting out of these guys. And with JD talking about getting even more of a a, just an overview, yeah, yeah, it's uh, this is again. We're not. You're not going to break the bank by drafting an Edstrom. You're not. But you may get somebody who becomes a very valuable piece to a Stanley Cup team. And that's exactly what you want. You have any other comments before we go to our final selection, Michael? No, I think I think there's a good... Um, like, once you get deeper into the draft, like round five, six, seven, generally speaking, it's not a bad idea to focus on, like, well, find players who do something really well. Like, you just find, like, a guy like... an Altonen is a good example, even though he's, you know, a round four guy. Like... Um, like a guy who can just skate like the wind, right? Like, what does he do? I'm sorry, Alton was a round five guy. Like, what does he do? He skates like an elite player. And you find someone like Edstrom, and you say, like, oh, what's special about him? Well, he's six foot six, and he's a very good skater considering how big he is. So you have, like, some clay there, right? You can try to mold that player into something. And, you know, you like you said, Joe, you take him in the sixth round, you know it's going to be a project. And getting a kid of that size that late, it's like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, those are you swing. Every pick in those later rounds is a swing. And then, you know, to transition to the final pick of the draft, um, everything I've read about um, Eric Ciccoloni or Ciccoloni, I'm sorry if I keep getting that wrong. That's why I keep offering two pronunciations. Maybe they're both wrong. Is, you know, he has a really high motor and not, you know, not great skill and you know compared to other guys in his class but again he's around seven guy and the rangers saw the hustle the work ethic and the motor and 
you know, kind of, you know, said he's worth taking a shot at. I mean, he's going to University of Michigan. Maybe he develops into something more there, but we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, that's, I don't really, it's one of those things where the Rangers could have done pretty much anything in round six and seven. I wouldn't have much, much issue. Um, you know, I, I think you just go for guys who you think are good at one thing or another thing and hope you can work with them on filling out the rest of their game. But did you have any thoughts on the round seventh pick, 205 overall, Joe? Number 205 overall. Like you said, this is exactly what you select when you're at this stage in the draft. You should not be looking for, really, I don't think you should be looking for depth players anywhere, but in round six, seven, take your your huge swings. And by all accounts, and I'm going to butcher this name, how did you pronounce it before, Eric? Cannoli? Cannoli, did you say? Cannoli? Cannoli? Ciccoloni or Ciccoloni? Ciccolini? I think it is Ciccolini based on my pronunciation. Ciccolini. It's a Ciccolini. So he he was voted the top OJHL uh, player last year at 62 points in 48 games. Um, I believe, if my understanding is correct, it's like a junior league for juniors. Like, instead of junior hockey, it's like a junior league of junior hockey. And it has to be because he is going to the University of Michigan. So you can't go. Technically, junior is pro, and you can't go back. So it has to be a level below that. Um, by all accounts, can skate really well, dynamic offense. But these guys tend to scare scouts because he's an 18-year-old who is not playing in well-known circles of lower-level hockey. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and you kind of saw Makar got that label too, even though it didn't work, and he ended up um, he ended up going third overall or fourth overall to Colorado. Um, if you don't play in the traditional circles of hockey, there are concerns about whether or not you're worth drafting. And the Rangers took a huge swing on a guy who, again, just like Morgan Barron, maybe something comes out of this. He's a big skater. He can do a lot of different things with the puck. He was rated anywhere from 178th to 79th before the draft started. To get him at 205 is is great. I mean, I don't know how much time you can really spend on a seventh-round pick, but I wonder what we would have said about Henrik Lundqvist back in 2000 if we had the podcast back I mean, then. I mean, it should come as no surprise that the bottom line is you and I simply don't know as much about these last couple guys we've talked about as the others because... I know everything about everyone. Well, there you go. Um, because, you know, there's a reason they went where they went. Um, you know, there hasn't been a lot of discussion or buzz around them before the draft, but, you know, the Rangers scouting department must have seen something they liked, and it's safe to assume with Edstrom at size, and it's safe to assume with Shigalini that it would be the work ethic and the motor. No, Shigalini. So there you go. I'm going to throw a curveball at you, Michael. Outside of Kako, favorite New York Rangers draft pick. Oh, that's fun. Um, It's probably Robertson, which I know is boring because he was the next guy to get picked. But I just like the scouting reports and a little bit I've been able to watch of him, just little clips on YouTube and stuff. Like, I love the idea that he just shields the puck. He works with the puck. He's, He's really... I love the idea of like a, a guy of that size who cares that much about the puck and doing the right thing with it. And I'm not saying at all this is what he's going to be, but it's one of the reasons why Colton Pareko is one of my favorite D in the league, the way he manages the puck with his size. Like, If, if Colton Pareko decides you're not going to get the puck, 
you're not going to be able to really take it from him. You know, like there's not a lot of guys who can push around, push you around when you're six foot five, like Perico is. So um, I like I like that a lot about uh, Robertson. So I'm hoping the Rangers got something special there. Um, another defenseman in the system coming up the pipeline. Another guy, you know, on the left side. It seems like the the left side is. Uh, for the future, it seems pretty rock solid, but, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens. And, of course, none of these guys, we don't know how they're going to pan out, but he would be my pick, and I feel like it's boring. In terms of, um, you know, like the in the wider scope, in terms of how much of a, how late in the draft, it would probably be Altanen, given the speed and, you know, what he's able to do. And I like, I like his potential, I'll put it that way. I feel like he has a very good... Good chance on becoming. You're just gonna pick player. all the draft picks. Well, no, I picked two. You son of a bitch. Well, I asked you to pick one, and it's Robertson. That's what you selected. That's what you did. That's fine. You know what? You're just a penis, McGee. That's what you are. Uh, I'm going back and forth on two guys too. Oh, two guys. Fuck. <laughs> but I'll only pick one. The two guys that I'm going back and forth with are Zach Jones and Carl Hendrickson. Oh, but you'll say two. Um, well, yeah, you did, so I have to. I just I love the fact that the Rangers, again, undersized, but puts up incredible offense in whatever you know skill. league they're in. Undersized yeah, you're, you're just going after skill. I think Hendrickson is my pick, though. And honestly, what really sold me on this was just how much offense was created from him, really across every league he's played in. And just the fact that he played really well with or without um, Roberts. It, it just, it's, it, you really want to see. I was a little nervous when I heard about it. And again, I didn't really know the level that they were on the same line. And then you're like, well, oh, Jesus Christ, they, you know, is he carrying him? But that's, this was honestly, I think he's somebody that I'm really into. Just another high upside. Let's see what happens with this guy pick. And. Oof, I, I just, I don't, like I said, I don't remember the last time that I came out of a draft and I really didn't have any major concerns. Yeah, and that's a good. wonderful thing. Michael, most surprising pick, I'll say in the first round. Ooh. I think I have my pick on this one. Well, I feel like it's probably the pick Iserman made, right? Like, yeah, Cider. It, ha- it has to be. That was just, everyone was just looking around like, what the hell? And apparently he was trying to trade down, we learned afterwards. Um, but there just wasn't anything that was kind of worth his while or, or something to that effect. But it was it was enough of a... I don't know. Taking Maurice Sider there was just like with a six overall pick. He was surprised. You see the look on his face when yeah. it happened? That doesn't happen very often where a guy's like, oh, wait, me? Are you fucking serious, Cousins dude? Cousins was on the board. Zegris was on the board. Pod Colson was on the like Broberg was on like holy hell, that is just, I mean especially for an organization like Detroit to not consider a guy like Broberg. I was like, all right, well, this phone again. Keep talking. Uh, it just that was a big surprise to me. Um, I my my favorite pick a team made I think was Spencer Knight. Feels like a he fits like a glove for Florida for what they need. Um, you know they'll just have to find a plug in. Uh, to figure out what happens after uh, Luongo makes his decision and 
Uh, I feel like Montreal got a really, really great player at Cole Caulfield at 15. Um, I was surprised by how much Caulfield. I, yeah, I was. Down. I was re- I just don't understand how if you're going to make a run on U.S. developmental kids, how is Caulfield not one of the first names called? Just I know. I, he's I just. Small. I don't. Just, but I the, like, could that small. really be what it is? But his like, on his ability to score goals, is just like this natural thing that you can't teach right he just has this like you you watched on you know draft day like the highlight videos he just he thinks about scoring like anywhere he is on the ice he thinks about how can i get this past the goalie like and like i don't care how tall or small he is like i was in as he was slipping down the board i'm like wow you know i kind of hope the rangers trade you know make a deal to get back in the draft because if if Caulfield's around, he went, what was it, Joe? He went 15 eventually? Yeah, like, 15 to Montreal. Holy hell. And Colorado getting new hook right after. and um, It's just a, it, it, the, that whole series, I was shocked he fell as far as he did. Be, because there's just so much that, that you really sit around and you're like, wow, that is. You're talking about a guy who almost scored as many goals as he played in. I mean, yeah, think about a that for a minute. Record for the developmental program. And, and I, I get making an argument that, okay, you know what? I bet that Hughes was a big part of that. And he sure, probably sure. was. Yeah, and, but this was the same argument made with DeBrincat that Connor McDavid made him. And look at, look at he's a 40-goal scorer in the NHL. So what? And hats off to Montreal. I mean, they absolutely—that's yeah, as good as it's going to get for them. Where they got him is an absolute steal. And what do you like? What do you say? You know what I mean? When when you're letting this guy slip through your fingers, it's insane. I was hoping he was going to fall to the mid twenties, and the Rangers were going to be smart enough to trade up for him. And that's what I was hoping for. I also like what the Flyers did to get Bobby Brink. That was a good move. Yeah, but the Flyers' pick of Cam York was like, how did the Flyers pass on? I don't know, man. He, Caulfield. Was, uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. How did so many of those teams pass on Caulfield? Like, goodness gracious. Like, I thought for sure the Flyers were going to take him. I also, I Florida taking Spencer Knight made sense to me, but there are a bunch of guys who, like, obviously uh, Detroit because cider was just so off the board and kind of goofy and crazy where he went really well that threw almost everything yeah. out of proportion Especially didn't it because like i was even surprised frankly that kirby doc went to the blackhawks i thought chicago was going to take bowen byram and and just like laugh their way to the bank but that is of course not what happened yeah, Cousins waited until 7th. Zegris didn't go until 9. Pod Colson went at 10, which I, I find a little surprising. And then now you kind of get into the crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Soldersome at 11. Boldy at 12. Spencer Knight, we knew was going to kind of be a high pick. But okay. Cam York at 14 by the Flyers. You, you pass on Caulfield, yeah, Newhook, and Krebs to make that selection. Yeah, and I mean, Winnipeg, I thought, ironically enough, did great with Heinola, who is a, basically yeah. the Trouba replacement that they need, that they got at 20th. He was a guy that we were talking about maybe being uh, on the Rangers' radar. Um, Kaliev doesn't go until the second round. Yeah. Neither does Brink, but they go within really the first three names called. Ottawa yeah, yeah. absolutely butchered this draft, and the, so did the Bruins. And Raphael Lavoie, Lavoie? He went, yeah, Lavoie went uh, he where? He dropped big time. He went yeah, 38th overall. Yeah, 
he, yeah. he was another guy. Uh, and and listen, I'm very happy that the Rangers have Fox, but I would have oof, I would have loved to see what the Rangers would have done at 36th overall with the guys that were available there. Yeah. That would have been great. Hoglander and what do we say, what do we land on? Lavoie? I was saying Lavoie or Lavoie. Lavoie, yeah. I just the the cider pick. Listen, and I I liked cider. I would have loved for the Rangers to take cider at 20 if they didn't get Truba. But at sixth overall, I mean, that's a you better be really in love with the guy. And again, the Flyers passed on. They got Brink, so at the end of the day, they won. But you, you pass on. Imagine getting Caulfield and Brink. Yeah. I mean, seriously, fun. imagine walking home with that. that would have been absolutely dominant. It would have been fun. It, it's but thank God it didn't happen because it's then I, the whole the whole draft right after you know. We always knew the draft was going to start at three with Chicago. Doc was a surprise. Byron was not a surprise. Doc, no, the sorry. Colorado said thank you very much. We're going to yes, Turcotte again, not a surprise. Cider is crazy. Yeah. Cousins, and then Edmonton goes with Broberg. It just it's the whole thing. Like team Anaheim must have been laughing to go up there and get Zegras. They yeah, must they have must, been laughing. Yeah, that was just you don't even have to think very hard. Yeah, that, Do they it ever? Goofy, it was a fun draft because, you know, there's all the buzz about next year's draft, understandably. But as, you know, everyone was just kind of waiting with bated breath. And we should touch on this, Joe, um, as we, you know, touch get, it. get towards the end of our show here. We, there was all this, you know, we heard from Bob McKenzie that both Kreider and VC were likely to be traded. And so we're all just kind of waiting. And Yeah, I wanted to get to this too. So Waiting and waiting and seeing what's going to happen and knowing that Buffalo is really interested in, in uh, Jimmy VC, but obviously not interested enough to give up the seventh overall pick for him. Um, but like waiting around to see what would happen, especially with Kreider. You know, Kreider's a guy who you could move to get back into this first round, and it didn't happen. And after the draft, we heard from a few GMs that – you know, teams were just kind of seeing that there were guys available that they didn't think would be available, so they didn't have to make moves. And I feel like, like the cider pick and the Broberg pick is, and things like that are is why that kind of happened. Right? Yeah, and that, this is a this is a really important thing to bring up too. And and what you just said is the most critical part. So we knew that the Rangers were talking to Buffalo about VC at least on some level. Yeah. We knew that the Rangers were talking to Colorado at least on some level, and there was speculation that it was about Kreider. So Kreider's not going to bring home the fourth overall pick. But when 16 started coming around, there is a a level of, well, let's see if we can't get something done. And the Rangers and the Avalanche did talk. But like you said, if the Avalanche say, oh, fuck, Newhook is there and Krebs is going to be there and Caulfield. Like if if you're at 13th, okay, and that gives Colorado about 10 minutes before they need to make a decision. And you see Knight York go off, Knight and York go off the board. And then there's no, you're looking and you have four or five guys that you had ranked in the top 10 that are still sitting there. You're not trading Kreider. No. Because you're going to grab your guy. And they did. And then the question becomes when you flip it back to the New York Rangers, now we're like, are you just, you're just going to trade Kreider for pennies then and get a 20th? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that the plan? And that, that, that can't be because honestly, once you pass Krebs at 17, there's really no player here. Like, you want to make a move, you want to trade Kreider and get Caulfield, I am a 1,000% down for that type of a move. You want to bring in Newhook, totally fine. Krebs makes me nervous because of the injury. But you, you want to do something like that? The guys always recover from that. Yeah, fine. The, the Achilles injury, right? It, yeah. you, fine. But from that moment forward, what, like, Philip 
Tomasio, Tomasio, Sino. Maybe he's another one, but again, that's that, I don't think that's somebody that you're going to go after for Kreider. Kreider yeah, deserves more than that. Tomasino plus, really, it would have to be the twenty fourth pick plus, and and I also feel like once it kind of maybe fell through at sixteen with Colorado, it it becomes a question of you know the Rangers have their brain trust around that table, right? And they're talking, and you have to say to yourself like, all right, shit, uh, we didn't get sixteenth overall. If that's what maybe we were targeting. You know, how much, like you said, do you want to say, well, do we want to sell Chris for less when there's nothing forcing your hand? Because you can make a trade after the draft. Like, right. And there's more suitors while you're leading up to free agency. Yeah, maybe. And the other thing is, like, you know, things are still very much up in the air with Panarin. You know, we've heard that Florida is really kind of the favorite to get both of them, according to some sources now. But it also sounds like Florida's priority will be the goaltender position. And that makes plenty of sense. Although now I think Friedman is saying that the thought process is Florida is getting both. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was alluding so. to. So that is, you know, if, if that's the case, then the Rangers do have to reconsider what is going to happen. And, you know, of course by now you know teams are interviewing players and can talk to players uh before july 1st opens up and really joe in the next week um it's crazy to think about how much how many decisions the rangers have to make that are going to be huge decisions not just in terms of what shapes the team for this upcoming season but for its its next couple years right because we have all these moves, these sexy, fun moves that accelerate the rebuild, Kako and, and Truba and Fox and, you know, getting the Russian guys to come over, getting Shesterkin over, getting Kravstov to come over, uh, even getting Igor Rikov to come over, you know, getting all of these things, all these, and like the stars are aligning, this all looks good. And then you hear about this and, you know, with, with Panarin and you hear about and see that the Rangers aren't able to move Kreider on the draft days and... There's a lot of uncertainty and, you know, the, the buyout window is closing in, you know, six days and and the day after that is July 1st. So, I mean, it's kind of buckle up time, right? We have to figure out what's going to happen after this while we also keep an eye on the fun little videos we get of uh, the kids at the prospect development camp. But it's crazy to think of, you know, how much things might change the next time we, we talk and record um, because we could have a very very different Rangers team and you know I don't know if like you and I are I don't think we want to put a percentage on where we think things stand with Panarin right now um but well let me before we jump into Panarin going down I would imagine what what about do you expect Jimmy Vesey to be here once on opening night no I don't think so do, do you um, think Kreider is going to be here that's the tougher one I honestly think that one's at a coin flip right now I feel like and I see it. I don't like doing business this way, but I understand that you kind of have to. If I'm Chris Kreider and I have yet to have substantial renegotiation talks with the Rangers, and remember, he has a year left on his deal, but everybody fucking knows what's going on right now. I'm not happy. If I haven't had numbers conversations yet, I am not a happy camper. Because it's very clear that they're waiting to see what happens with Panarin before they talk to me. And it's fine for Gordon to say, listen, we just need to know what the numbers are going to look like to see what we can give you, you know, blah, 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 blah. 
I'm not a happy camper. Because I know what the writing on the wall is then. And if Kreider wants to stay, maybe it doesn't bother him. And that's fine. But the assumption that Chris Kreider is going to take this enormous hometown discount, he shouldn't. Players should not take hometown discounts. You never know when you're going to get injured. You just don't. You're going to leave money on the table? Like, There's a lot for a guy to consider in terms of his career. And Kreider... You could definitely say that Kreider had a great contract leading up. Like the contract he has now that's expiring, the Rangers got him on a great deal, even with you know the consistency issues that some people have pointed to, which are you know very understandable, especially after last season. Although, of course, we learned, and it seems to constantly be overlooked, that he played hurt. Um, but like, uh, I if I'm Chris Kreider, I don't want to just settle. I want to if. If this is what's going on, I might go to the front office and say, like, you know, let's shit or get off the pot here. What's going to happen with me? Because the other thing to consider here is do the Rangers really want to go towards another trade deadline, Joe, with Kreider, Vlad Nemestikov, and Jimmy Vesey, all as guys who are pending UFAs, all who are guys that we don't expect to be here. Are they going to do yet another deadline sell-off? Like, how many of these are we going to see? Uh, Larry Brooks wrote, I think, that the organization and the fan base might not have the stomach for another one. But if the options are limited, I don't see why the Rangers would balk at that idea. You know, especially because there's no reason to sell Kreider for nothing. Um, You know, I don't think they should settle for anything. They want to get a good return for a player of that caliber, especially a guy who... You know, had a letter on his jersey last season, and then, you know, was just in the prime of his career. And you know, the next contract he gets is going to be a good one. A team that gets him is going to improve. You don't want to give him up for too little, is like what I'm driving at here. And yeah, I. The thing is, I just don't know what's going to happen with him now because there's obviously a lot of time to still move him and there's a lot of time to sign him but like you said he shouldn't take a hometown discount like, no absolutely and especially not now no. and this was the same argument we made with zuccarello where the rangers reached out for negotiating two weeks before yeah. the trade deadline go fuck yourself this is not that you're not doing you're you're making contact because you have to because there's a possibility that you can't trade me and then you need to keep me if it's authentic and listen i'm not really blaming jeff gordon for going down that road he knew he was going to trade zuccarello i do think that it hurt the ability for the rangers to get better value for him but gordon ended up getting market value anyway but if i'm Kreider, and again it's june 24th And you have not had substantial conversations with me yet. And my name was thrown around by plenty of insiders at the draft. There's too much smoke for there not to be fire. There are at least conversations happening about Chris Kreider. I want... Right, he knows. This isn't NHL 19. You're You're not just throwing out trades and saying, oh, we'll see what this happens, and the player doesn't know about it. They know about it. They know about it. So he knows. He has to know that he's a plan B right now. Because I got news for you. If he was a plan A, he would have been re-signed already. He would have been taken care of. And it's not like that's an offer sheet concern. But he would have at least had substantial conversations with his agent. They would have. There's no reason to drag this along. None whatsoever. He would have at least heard of developments. Like, things would have been... There'd be some... Instead of being all this uncertainty and all this smoke... 
you would have heard something along the lines of the Rangers and Kreider have a good idea of what an extension looks like. And you, alternatively, you don't want to do like, yeah, Chris, we really want to resign you and we just got to get the paperwork in order. We got to see what happens in free agency, but we want you to be here. And then you have that on the table and then it's like, oh, by the way, turns out we were able to trade you. Like that is also not an attractive like path to take, but I think at least you're telling a guy that way, like we value you, we want you around. Whereas this, the route they're on now is more like, well, they kind of value what he represents in terms of returned assets more than what he can bring to the table and be a part of this team and be, you know, because there's all this and talk and it is important about the guys who are in the lineup, the veterans who are here, who can kind of, you know, show the ropes to the kids and, you know, we've after Zuccarello left, it's like, oh boy, like who's here, right? It's like there's Mika Zibanejad, which of course is a, a great guy for that. Kreider is 28, one of the older forwards on the team, and you know, after this season, a guy like Jesper Fast, who's like a consummate professional, highly respected, he's also a pending UFA, and like you know, is is Ryan Strom going to be that the you know the 25 year old veteran that shows the kids the ropes? Like, what are we talking about here? I don't think though it's the Rangers are going to look very different the next time we podcast. I'm sure because they're they just will. they they, they, they have to right. Yeah. And Jeff Gordon made the comment that he would be fine if this was you know the way that it was going to go and if this was the way the team was. But it, the report just came out that Tyler Myers is looking for seven years, eight million dollars a year. That's insane. It's insane, and he will probably get it because NHL general yeah, managers are stupid. Yeah, Vancouver wanted them. So the what the question really comes down to, how is Kevin Shattenkirk at 50% not valuable? Let's flip the fucking switch on that. And I'm not making a comparison to the two because obviously Subban is a much better defenseman. But the Devils traded very little to get P.K. Subban. Yeah, two, three, three years left at $9 million. The Rangers just got Truba. You're telling me that there are teams in the East, maybe even in the Metro, who wouldn't want Shattenkirk? You're going to pay $8 million a year for Tyler Myers. You're not going to take two years of Shattenkirk at potentially $3.5 million? Are you fucking nuts? Yeah, I don't get... Like, I had a tweet that got that blew up a little bit where as I attended um, Kevin Shattenkirk and Anders Lee's um, Can Jam event and, you know, talked to uh, Shatty. I made it focused on, you know, the philanthropy and the charity. I didn't really want to talk to him about... You know, buyout rumors and trade rumors. Um, it didn't feel like the appropriate setting to do that. Uh, raising money for kids who are, you know, for pediatric cancer and families impacted by that. But like, I just talking to him and seeing the way he interacted with fans and, you know, seeing the way he talked about Brandon Smith, who was in attendance, and knowing that both of those guys have that kind of hanging over their head that their days might be numbered. I mean, really down to. You know, less than two weeks, right, Joe? At the time. Or yeah. Well, it was what was it last week? Yeah. yeah. yeah on uh, Saturday, so like they're still doing this stuff, and like to me, that's that says a lot. You know, we know that Smith is a uh, was the the PA representative after um, Stepan got traded, and you know, of course, you know he came into camp out of shape, and that was a big deal. But like, what has Kevin Shattenkirk done wrong? Is is the question I found myself asking? Like. He played the first season with one kneecap, and he was the Rangers' best or second-best 5-on-5 D last season. Um, like, in all things considered, 
he's did he did very well especially considering what the overall defense looked like and you look at like his impact on the offense compared to other d around the league at five on five he was great he was really great like a guy who clearly moved the needle and made a difference the fact that there are teams who according to brooks are not interested at him at 50 percent retained it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, I wouldn't understand. The guy's 30. He has two years left on his deal. Like, you get him at, you know, 3.325, I think it is, for two years at 50% retained. Hell, even if you get him at 25% retained, are you going to find a better option than that in free agency after seeing what the hell Tyler Myers is getting? You're out of your mind. It, I mean, it makes it certainly makes a... Seven-year, $50 million extension for Truba look amazing if it happens. Yeah. like I mean, if, if you're going out and you're paying Tyler Myers that much money. Like we saw what Eric Carlson got, right? The Sharks completely... But that's Carlson. It's Carlson. I know. And they completely threw their game plan. They said, all right, our game plan is Eric Carlson now. We're going to figure out Joe Pavelski and Thornton and Timo Meyer and the rest later because they wanted Carlson that bad. And he's another guy dealt with all sorts of injury issues. Shattenkirk is not on the same tier as Carlson. Don't get me wrong. But what are we talking about here? This is a great player. Like, a truly great player. Has he had the best couple of seasons? No. Has he been injured? Yeah. Like... It's it's insane. I, I've never he had to fight in my for life. His life on the first power play unit. Like, when that job should have just been his. But, you know, the coach made a choice. David Quinn made a choice to... To really challenge Shattenkirk and, you know, scratched him, I think, four times as a healthy scratch last season. And, you know, people were saying he bitched and moaned about that. And, you know, everything I read is like, no, he said, no, I have to be better. Like, there's all these weird misconceptions about what he's done. Don't forget, this guy took a giant discount to be a Ranger. He left at least a million dollars a year on the table. Like, I, I just don't understand it. Uh, to me, like a team like Tampa who is not going to land Carlson. And, you know, they just moved, as as we know, Joe, JT Miller, former Rangers first-round pick, got moved to Vancouver. Now, again, another insane trade. There was so much insanity that There's went been, around. I mean, we haven't had time to touch on all with the draft and the stuff that's happened leading up to it. But, like, the P.K. Subban thing we talk about because it does directly impact not only the Rangers-Devils rivalry, but, of course, the division. And Jack Hughes' Capo Caco story. Like, how many more layers are we going to add to this? And A lot. But let me ask you this question. Yeah, yeah. If you have the option mm. between getting Truba or Subban, which do you take? I take Truba. I, I think I would, too. And I honestly the, take Truba 10 times out of 10. I, I think I do. Not only is he going to be cheaper, but he's younger. Subban's 30, so Truba will be 30 when he has three years left on his deal if yeah. he signs the seven-year extension. Nine million is a big cap Subban's starting his decline. Uh, he very well has... He, he may have a lot of good theory. hockey left in him. I love P.K. Subban. So do I. It's devastating that he went to the Devils. Favorite, one of my favorite players, an amazing personality. He's so good for the game. He's a great guy. It's a shame that he... And I, I'm not even saying this to troll... It's a shame that he is in the wasteland that is New Jersey from like a marketing standpoint. I think it might be a good thing. Though. It might be a good thing for the Devils, but could you imagine that man on Broadway? Oh, it would be amazing. I mean, seriously, could you imagine him? I mean, then again, we're saying that Montreal had him, and they're the biggest 
fucking thing in the world so or at least they think they are you know what i mean like there's not more eyes on anybody than than montreal and they didn't great, want anything to do with them so well it was it was as good of a trade from like a what you gave up standpoint as the rangers trade for truba it was they, they gave up nothing the devils basically gave up like pennies yeah they gave and up. they did they were able to do that because they're the only team that was willing to take the full boat of the cap hit and that $9 million cap hit is an enormous cap and hit. what have the Devils needed for a decade? A puck-moving defense. Yeah, quality defenseman. Run the power play. Just run that power play. You know what else? One year right now of him and Taylor Hall and Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. But, we'll uh, see what happens. Maybe Taylor Hall will stick around now. It'll be fun to see what happens. That's, you know, that's an interesting... But again, uh, is Taylor Hall going to stick around for seven years because Subban's staying for two? Yeah, that's a good question, Joe. That's an interesting. But they also did just get Jack Hughes. Telling they, Taylor Hall true. that he they can did. play with Jack Hughes might be fun. You know, it might be pretty tempting. You know what else is tempting? What? Adam Nowick, Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Armael Kistner, Andre Chicagov, Anthony, or sorry, Andy from New Jersey, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Chris Habibi, Chris Lucas, Chris O'Connor, Chris Lauchin, Lucian, Lauchlin? Lachlan. Uh, Lachlan, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, the new Patreon thing. It like the names aren't as long, so some of them cut off in the middle, and I have to take guesses from my memory. Um, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John Reppy, Johnny Lowe, Jordan Sassone, Joshua Zarkin, Keith Franchillo, Matt from Brooklyn, Guy from Montana, Michael Alessante, Michael Kanick, Michael Marcus. Ooh, Michael Marcus, he's new. Welcome. Michael Scott, not from the office, I don't think. Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Panera in 2020. Sammy, hang on, Sammy, I'm sorry. You're new, so I need to look up your name. Sammy Vogel Seidenberg, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kempner. If I screwed up any of your names, I apologize. It's Mike's fault um, because he won't let me read them. Oh, Patreon.com slash blue shirt banter. Please join. Uh, donate some money. Listen to our sweet, sweet voice. Says right into your ear, uh, and uh, yeah, thank you all, Capo Caco, and uh, yeah, Capo fucking Caco. We'll see you on the Q and A show, bitches. Bye-bye.